This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That CFB by um, Stephen Brandt, who has written an incredible book, Boca Juniors, A History and Appreciation of Buenos Aires' Most Successful Football Team. Boca are a team that so many that follow CFB are fascinated by. Thank you for joining me, Stephen. Yeah, no problem. It's, it's always good to be talking to someone with a Scottish voice there, because, I, it's, because if you know Boca and you know the Argentinian game, it's basically Scottish, so it's a good connection between the two. Absolutely, and, and on that connection, first things first, the founding of the club, what was it like? Because you've hinted there at some of the unique aspects of the Argentinian game. What was the founding of Boca like? The, well, Boca, Boca was filmed, founded by, like all other parts of the game, by people leaving the UK and trying to trying to fl- trying to flee and developing new industries, and that's that's what happened in Buenos Aires. Is that um, um, Watson came over and started a started a school that it's still around in some aspects, but it's not what it was in the 1900s. And wanted to ki- wanted to get going, but it, originally, you know, this a lot of these clubs are found founded on rugby. So that's just going through there and seeing that it was the Scottish instead of the t- typical what we hear, oh, the British came over, the British did this, the British did that. I'm, I found it fascinating that it's both the, both the Scottish and the Italians that started the game down there. In terms of the game being started down there, um, you mentioned the unique situation, how it comes to fold. How long was it before Boca became a really dominant team it was pretty much right away see at the time you had club alumni which is gone now that was pretty much going through the organization going through the the AFA at the time and Rossing hitting pretty heavily but you you're able to down you're able to down there pull in players from locally so that's kind of what's got everything started and when you look at the the club through the eras something else that always comes up is the alumni of players over the years you think of Diego Maradona you think of Juan Roman Riquelme and of course Carlos Tevez first of all on Maradona just how important is he when you look back at the history of Boca in terms of getting them international recognition uh, he, th- there is some, there there is some over exaggeration with Maradona in a lot of aspects, but he was only at Boca very very little. He was there maybe three years when he came through from Argentino Juniors. I mean, some of the rumors that you hear is that Barcelona already wanted him when he was at. Argentino juniors, but they placed him at Boca to get the spotlight there. 
at that time, towards the late 70s, Berto soon had already come through. Gotti's coming through. You had got a lot of really good players that were, ma- were making it. So, I mean, he was a good player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, and you see what he became. But as far as transcending the game at that time, he was just a young, good player. I mean, I think he only has like one title on him down there. The only reason why Boca fans really know him is because of what he became later. That's why, like, when you see now that he's coaching down there in Argentina in one of the um, clubs in Defensia, Gicia, is that he's well-known because of that, and they did all the spectacle with that. I think it's more afterwards. You get people like Martin Palermo, um, you get um, Pato, you get all the really great ones that came later, and they're more successful as far as titles and wins. The Boca in the early the 70s before he got there, it's kind of Diego was supposed to be the continuation of the next team. And it, it did happen, but he didn't really go to the extremes that he should have down there. And one of the names I've mentioned out of those three as well, you've got to talk to us about is Raquel May. For me, a player, a maverick, a man who is just so interesting and when you look back was just an obscene talent and a joy to watch. Yeah, he's one of the only two um, player jerseys I have in my jersey collection because he was neither the he is not the most prototypical player you will ever see. He's not fast. He's not that big, really, but the things he could do with the ball, the scoring down there, and the fact that he keep coming back. I mean, he's a vice president at the club right now, and he's the face of the he's the face of the club right now. So I mean, it's he's here to smooth everything over, and I mean, just some of the stuff he could do with with the ball when he was still with Boca is a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it's it's sad for people in my country that we don't really know him because the, for the native speaker, for the native people like me that didn't get to really watch in the 80s and 90s, we missed a lot of great. And Raquel is one of them because he was never going to come over and play in the United States. So it just was one of those you have to catch on YouTube, which is fun. And you think of Carlos Tevez, who we've both been very lucky to watch over the years. An interesting character in the sense that he started his, his professional career in the senior game at Boca. He, he went to um, Brazil and with Corinthians. He spent time in England, West Ham, Manchester United, Manchester City controversially as well. Sometime in Italy at Juve, but then back to Boca, then a spell in China, then back to Boca again. So all in all, three spells, and he's the club captain at the moment. Just how much of a figurehead is Carlos for Boca and their fans now? Well, the fan, there, there's a majority of the fans that are kind of sick with him because he takes up so much money. He takes up so much money, and he's kind of a figurehead with there, but. There's no doubting his talent in in the pitch, and even now when he can, when he really only can come on as a super sub. I mean, think about that. You have a guy that can score; he has scored all over the world, 
and you can bring them on for the final 10 minutes and guarantee a win. Now, I mean, mostly in, in Argentina, Boca is going to be among the top five teams anyway. So it's not like they're going to get knocked off pretty quickly. So having him sit on the bench is, is great. And we were surprised. I was surprised he was still there. I suspected if COVID hadn't come around that he may have, he may have come to MLS and gone and played with one of his former players former players in um, um, Scalotto. And and the thing about him, as we've talked about, as you said, they've scored goals all over the world, but Boca is a club through the years that have not only signed players that have played all over the world, but they've also produced them. You think of the likes of Nicolas Berdusso, um, Tevez we've mentioned, Ever Banega, Nicolas Gaetan, Fernando Gago, the list goes on. Just how important has it been to the club throughout the years to produce their own players and especially their own Argentinian players? Well, that, that's how you can that's how you can over that's how you can in, in South America make money is that that's how you sell on players. I mean, Boca has an academy in Buenos Aires where they just filter in players, and if they're not good enough, they go to Argentino Juniors or they get released. I mean, there's, there's lots of youth down there. I mean, there's a couple of Americans down with Alboca right now. So it, it's the good way. And the fact is, Fernando Gago has gone and come back, gone and come back. I mean, he's wandering around in Argentina too as, at the end of his career. But that's, that's a good thing. I mean, Samuel was down there too. So, I mean, it's good to see that there are people and players that have been able to spread the game of Boca on. Another thing that interests me about the club before we come to the rivalry and the stadium and, 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 and that aspect of the club is the fact that, like teams in Spain as well, they've got other teams. They've got, they invest in athletics, futsal, basketball, volleyball. Is that something that's always been a part of the Boca journey or is that, did that come later? Well, I mean, it was set up. Most of those clubs down there are set up as, for lack of a better purpose, social clubs. For as social clubs, so that's what you that's what you'll get down there. And I mean, I have absolutely no issue with it. I mean, you you look at what Penarol is, you look what Atlético Nacional is, and lesser and the lesser evil teams is that. I mean, you see that there are volleyball teams and there's a there's a women's soccer team down there sorry that will do what that would um that help bring things in but that's what that's what these clubs are and you know what better than me living in scotland is that they are community driven organizations absolutely and and the importance of community when it comes to football clubs is massive as you've as you've rightly said there and it's clear to see, as you've just described also, that by investing in these other sporting clubs and social gatherings, that it's also another way of growing the fan base. And if we come on to the fan base now, you think of the stadium, La Bombonera, it's always something that's talked about from so many football geeks like myself who say, I, am, I dream of going there one day. I mean, just describe the Boca fans and what it's like well, watching I'll, a match. I'll it, well, I'll put it this way. My father was in Banyasares years ago, and this is a guy who's gone to all the major um, 
stadiums in the country here in the States. In fact, I just completed one of the last ones with him a couple of years ago, and um, he was very impressed with it. I mean, the fans are ravenous. I mean, think about it this way. In your, in your, in your country, away, to, away fans can't go to the games in Argentina. They just can't. So when you go to when you go to La Bamadera, it's all it's all Boca fans, and you see how big the chocolate box is. That's all Boca, and to be able to get a ticket, you have to be a member of the organization or know someone, because you're not going to get a ticket. It's just I have a friend here that does the Boca in English pod, and. He's from Argentina, and he can't get tickets. Wow. Yeah, I mean, think about that. I mean, imagine if you go to, imagine if you go to um, a, a a good team like Liverpool, and it's all Liverpool fans, and they they wouldn't let that small team Manchester United in. <laughs> That's what it is. That's just it's mad, isn't it? And oh. you you mentioned the fact that it's only Boca fans in that stadium. Describe the intense rivalry with River Plate because over here in the UK, that's the game that's talked about most, I would say, outside of European football. Boca River, Boca River, Boca River, River Boca, whatever way you want to say it. That's the game that most people in the UK and around Europe look out with the European circle at and want to watch. Well, I mean, you think about that. You think about the super final couple of stories a couple of years ago that they had to move that because of fan riots. I mean that's that's just something above and beyond what I would I would know of. I mean, you the the players are the players are going to the going to the arena for a Copa Lib, and they're a hat. I mean, yeah, we've seen that with um, Borussia Dortmund a couple of years ago, but for on a whole, you don't see stuff like that. Whereas like with Boca, as I put in the book about the fans, um, they won't wear the um, River Plate colors. Just will not. Nobody will wear red. Nobody will wear white. It's the Boca colors. And the other side with um, River. River players, River fans won't wear the, the Boca ones. So, I mean, it's, it's just as ravenous as that. And then there's very derogatory names used for both clubs towards their fans. So, I mean, you got you, that's unique. I mean, we could sit on here and just rant and rave about our European teams and call them big and little clubs, but that doesn't mean too much to them. Imagine that. Imagine that with Tottenham and, and Arsenal, P people being able to rip, having that hatred. It's, it's just, that's, that's primal right there. Absolutely is. And and the thing that I find interesting, um, and I'm only mentioning these two players in particular because of my generation, etc. but it's incredible to think that there's players who have crossed the divide, the likes of Gabriel Batistuta and Claudio Canizia. I mean, when you think of intense rivalries, that's one for sure. From a personal perspective, I wouldn't want to cross... Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want to cross it either. At the, I wouldn't want to cross it at this point either. I mean, you got to think about it. Alfredo Di Stefano, 
who is a river legend, coached Boca in the 80s also. It's just when you when you think of that and you think of the reaction, it's it, it must. I mean, you you see it in the UK if a player leaves. For instance, Carlos Tevez, perfect example. He left Manchester United and he went to Manchester City. Now there was apprehension there, but there was rivalry, there was anger, but he was able to live a, a pretty happy and comfortable life in Manchester still. Whereas I just don't imagine, as you've just described there, if you're a river legend and you go and coach Boca, I don't imagine that's going to lead to a happy, quiet lifestyle. Oh, I mean, imagine, I mean, even in our lifetime, Luis Figo going between um, Bar- Barca and um, Madrid. That, that's pretty primal right there, too. I mean, you've got, you don't really have it big in that many places. I mean, I, the only one I'd ever think uh, outside I would think of is when Cruyff went to um, AZ at towards the end of his career. Is that, okay, you don't want to, you don't want to give me my contract? I'll go win the double with your rival. And he he walked in and did that. So I mean, that's that's just the unique part. And the thing with what people don't get about Batistuta, why he went over to Boca, is that the manager at the time was River, had no idea how to use Batistuta at all. So as soon as he goes over to Boca, as soon as Batistuta goes over to Boca, his first couple games against River, he starts scoring like he ended up doing over in um, Italy. So, I mean, that was, that was just one of those, I got you. As you know, we've talked about in this show already. Um, I'm from Scotland and over here, we've got two absolutely gigantic clubs in Glasgow Celtic and, and Glasgow Rangers now. There's been debate over the years that those clubs should move to England or another league and be able to test themselves against clubs of a similar size. Has that ever been under debate for Bo- for Boca and River? No, that isn't. And I could I, I have a huge issue with the the Celtic versus the other team going into England big time. But think of this with um Argentina, is that there's a lot of really good famous teams down there also. It's not just Boca River. You've got Independiente who's been good on and off for years. Rossing has been good since the beginning of the league. And, um, Estudiantes was known in the 60s and 70s. Just do not say, do not say Estudiantes around, around AC Milan fans of a certain age. They'll start, they'll start having flashbacks to some of those matches down there. So it's a good, it's a good league down there. Problem is, the league is corrupt as hell. I mean, when you have FIFA managing your FA because your FA is corrupt. That's saying a lot. So, and yes, Boca and River have always been among the top, but River's been relegated. So it's that. Where could you move them to Brazil? Brazil and Argentina don't like each other. <laughs> Chile, they clocked the league there. Colombia. Uruguay. Now, could you do a super? Could you do a super league in South America? Probably, probably. But at that point, I mean, it's so dis, dis, um, discombobulated down there that it would just have issues. Mm, well, that's a very good point um, as well. And and on the club currently, 
where are Boca at the moment in terms of they were successful, they won the last league title. Are they in good shape for the future as well? Um, yeah. Now this is pre this is pre this is knowing anything before what COVID hit. COVID's gonna change the sport so much it's not even funny. I mean, as far as not having much debt, they really don't. They're pretty much subset on themselves. Now they're not in the they're not in the the positive standpoint of something like Athletic Bilbao is where they they have they have an excess of funds and they have a fund outside of it. Boca's fine. They're not going to fall apart. However, as we have seen, Corinthians fell apart. You, we have seen people go down. I mean, Leeds is just getting back to the top of champ, the championship after so long. So you never know at this point. That's very true. Very, very true. And, and you're right when you say that COVID will change the game as we know it. And I just hope that clubs like Boca um, and the other Argentinian clubs, the other Latin American clubs can can survive and play the massive role that they do already in shaping world football. Because as we've discussed already, over the years, so many incredible players have come out of Latin America. And And in terms of the future, are there any players at Boca at the moment who you think will move to Europe potentially in the near future? Um, As of right now, probably not. But I wouldn't wouldn't know off the top of my head because there's always one or two that you won't know of that will go. I mean, if you had had come to me at the beginning when I wrote this book and said, do you think anybody's going to go over to Europe? I would have said um, Christian Pavon would have gone. He's sitting in, he's sitting with the LA Galaxy and MLS, not wanting to go back to Argentina, and he's not even owned by MLS. He's still on the books with Boca, and Boca doesn't want anything to do with it. So you never know with these players. I mean, that's that's the thing that has failed so many young phenoms is you think, oh, this guy's going to be so great. I mean the curl lines of all type of people will go over and just fall apart. That's, uh, the Pavon situation is, is one that's fascinating. And the fact that you mentioned there, as I, I did as well, I thought he would come to Europe. But the fact is at the Galaxy, and do you think MLS are in a position where they could try and poach the best players from the likes of Boca and Argentinian teams? Or do you think Europe's still the go-to destination? I would well. I mean, if you have seen with what Atlanta Atlanta United have done and what Beckham United is going to be, Inter Beckham is going to be doing in the next couple of years. Yeah, I would. I would if I'm an MLS club and I can scale, I go South America right now. You can pull players out of Uruguay, and they've done that. There's been some players that have come out of Nacional and Penarol in Uruguay. You can see Colombians flock up here to MLS like it's going out a bit. Like, they, they want to get out of here. Um, Zico Barco came up from River. You'll see some Boca players come up. It's still why I'm surprised um, Tevez never came up because he's, of those young players down there, the most logical to come up because he speaks English. I mean, people like, I mean, Raquelme doesn't. Maradona doesn't. You have a lot of those players that never came up that don't speak it. So it would be, 
it would be hard for some. Now you have some that come over that don't speak the language and have no pro have no problem. So I would, if I'm someone, I'm I'm parked. I'm sitting out there in um, Bologna's salaries. I'm I'm sitting at Independiente, and I'm having someone at a Studiantes going, "All right, you, you, and you are all coming up here because you could you could use you can use America to get over to Europe." That seems to be something that is going to be big in the future. I mean, I mentioned the Scottish element. Glasgow Celtic have signed a few players um, in recent years from America and put them into their youth system, development system. Rangers now have a partnership with Orange County Football Club as well. So the clubs in Scotland have got some partnerships in the US. And I know across Europe, you think of New York City, for the prime example, being partnered with a city football group that... That's something that could become commonplace. And that intrigues me also in the sense that Boca, River, Estudiantes, these clubs, have they ever considered a proper partnership with a European giant? Well, Boca was here. Boca tried to drop a USL team here and just massively bring players over for development to send them over and that just fell apart um you do see if you follow some of the transfers out of boca that there are some favorited clubs out there obviously the the um easiest thing for most of those players is to go into Serie A, to go to the juventus the genoas Torinos, stuff like that i mean diego simeone's kid came over is in is in Italy. I mean, you get that's where you get a lot of those. I mean, it would be prim and pro, it would be proper for all of that. In terms of yourself, Stephen, um, clearly passionate about football, passionate about Boca. You've written this book. Where, where can people buy the book? The book will be up on all good, be up on all good sites, Amazon, Books a Million yada 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 in october october 1st and also be through my publisher at mascot books right there now and then if you're stateside you and i can i have a box or two sitting with me that i can help along with here but that's it's a it's a good book it's it's easy to get a hold of i, I know you you have the book with you calm so that's and hopefully when i come over to scotland next year i'll be able to give you an actual signed copy, so that will be that'll be worth it. Absolutely, that would be incredible. And in yeah. terms of yourself, how can we follow you on social media as well, Stephen? I'm online as Stephen Stephen C. Brandt, or just just look through the Beyond the Pitch and the on CFB Twitter follows and find me. There's a my um, avatar is of Raquel me, so I'm I'm always here to talk. I because I work out of my house right now, I have my Twitter up on my screen. So I, I'm always free to talk about the sport, jump on a pod, talk a pod, write, write an article. And I've been doing this about as long as Phil, Phil Brown of Beyond the Pitch has been around here in the States. So, Well, I have to say, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Your, your knowledge of Boca is incredible. As you mentioned, I've been, you've been lucky, I've been lucky enough for you to, to send me the book um, electronically. An incredible book. What I like about the book, and you won't mind me saying this, is 
it's not a book that's 500 pages long that you're going to struggle to get through. It's a really, really good um, length. It's around 100 or so pages. And it's a book that every single chapter will knit together everything you need to know about Boca. And I couldn't recommend it high enough, highly enough. Stephen, thanks for joining me. And please stay in touch. I'd love to have you on again in the future. Will do. No problem. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song